Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grader, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. Jr. didn't understand what dad power meant. This is the Blackout Show. I'm your boy Jay Targaryen, human resource for BGR. I got Chris Gonzalez and Ozzy Jr. He even put, he took the Jr. off his real name. Now let me tell you something, OJ, because you're playing with me right now. Dad power is when you regain, you get power after you have a child. So you have no power when you don't have kids. You stop pulling out, you have a kid. Now you have power. And Gonzo, what's a good representation of dad power? Dad power is hit in fucking four straight games of home runs. So does he have kids? Does does Berger have kids? He have kid. He has kid. He has, he has one kid. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, by the way, so dad power, I yeah, might look, be I, one kid. One well, kid. That's, well, that's he he qualifies. Well, he looks like a dad, even if he didn't have any kids. I don't have any. I don't have any dad power. I might look like Jake Berger when I'm walking the streets, but I'm a fat guy with no power. I'm a fat guy that hits. I'm a fat guy that hits like Romy, Romy Gonzalez. Wow. I just don't have any pop. Never had pop. Didn't have pop when I played in little league. Didn't have pop in high school. Didn't have pop in college. Don't have pop now. I, I just don't have pop, especially not pop like Jake Berger. I went on a limb today, and when we were talking Jake Berger, and again, that's when I asked what this dad power was. Because, like, by the way, a great nickname for him. He's on pace right now with with five home runs, and he's hitting them at a rate. Remember, he did not break camp with, with the big league team. That he might be either the leader of the White Sox in home runs or in the in the mix of leaders in the White Sox in home run. Is this a bad thing or a good thing at the end of the season that if Jake Berger becomes the White Sox top home run hitter with 25-plus home runs, does that mean that something good happened for the White Sox? That means that everyone is just so bad that Jake Berger now has become – the offensive threat of the team. Wow. Well, I'm here to say that Jason Spencer, we don't care about your opinion on the blackout. Yoan Mankata is still the best third baseman. Well, by the way, by the way, there's a difference. Side. Hold on. There's a difference between being a third baseman and being a power hitter. Mm-hmm. And Jake right now is doing a really good job of maintaining his average, his walks. Everything's kind of fizzing out. He is hot. He has gone deep. What was it? Four days in a row. Uh, by the way, shout out to Slav for the pick of the century with that pick because we all laughed at him. I laughed at him. I said, why are you going to pick a guy that doesn't even – I don't even know when he was going to be in the lineup because today he doesn't have a position. And it isn't there in a situation where I don't think the White Sox believe that 
Berger was going to end up potentially being this good because they never made a plan for him in any of the position. He's they just like a guy. Hands are Alberto just to keep him off the roster. He wasn't on the roster. He was not breaking camp, and we discussed that in our first preseason show. I like Berger. I think that Berger Berger's issue has been injuries because I think Berger's one of those guys that he might not be an elite defender, but he hit that if he's always hit enough in other levels of his playing that they'll find a position for him. Mm-hmm. And that's something that when you hit that well, the John Crux of the world, the uh, Alejandro Kirks of the world with, with Toronto, where he has a C for fantasy teams, yet never catches, but he hits enough that he produces. So he is a very interesting player that if he does stay healthy, and again, when he has been injured, it has always been a legit injury. Achilles, broken hand. It's never been because his back hurts or I have tired legs. It's always been something like a legit injury. And when I mean legit, something's broken, you know, like surgery, you're out for multiple months. He's never out for nagging injuries. The word grinder, I I think that he is. And you know what I like about him? He doesn't tell people that he's a grinder. He just goes out there and does his job. And Andrew Vaughn's the same way. He's not out there saying I'm a grinder. He doesn't make phases like I'm a tough guy. He just goes goes and does his job. No, he does. By the way, you look like Jill Lito right now. Yeah. That was Jill Lito tonight. I, I hope that his faces are that positive. 95 you know, down the pipe, and people were getting blown away. He pitched great. We can get that on one of the other sides, but he pitched great. Again, I hope that that emotional roller coaster that his Jill Lito gets fixed together. I like guys like Berger. They go and do their job. Andrew Vaughn is in that same mix. Ben Attendi, we've seen he's that type of same player. It's a good balance to the emotional Moncada, TAs, Eloy. You need balance. Okay, yeah. so I like that they, they have now that balance. Before, there was a lot of guys. You can't have too much emotions on your team because that's good when it's going good, but when it's going bad, it can get really, really dramatic. Yeah, and uh, I, I, before we leave off Jake Berger, uh, Gonzo, I want to get your opinion on this. I think this is the perfect scenario for Jake to get his at-bats because if you look at – we have a hole at DH. We – the, the third base production is inconsistent. Our our guy, Moncada, is on the shelf right now. Uh, first base, uh, you're going to get Vaughn there majority of the time, but what happens when Vaughn has sore legs or he needs a bacchiotomy, you're going to put Jake Berger there. Uh, do you think it's a gift and a curse with this White Sox roster, Gonzo, that we're hurt enough to where we don't reach our full potential, but we still get guys like Jake Berger at bats? And you see what he's doing with him, making the most of it. So you had your mean Mercedes in 2021 when our core got injured go off. And now this is Jake going off right now. So to answer Ozzy's question, if he leads a club in power, that's not an issue at all. Because with the injuries to our offense right now, you're going to be lacking power. So you need someone to step up. And if that's Jake, great. I mean, that kid is a success story considering him being a first-round draft pick gets injured and battles his way. He, that's a true grinder right there. Yeah. And I believe, I believe, I think I was the only one that wanted him to make the 26 in front of sheets from the four of us. You were. Um, when we were projecting that 26 before it was released. And the fact that Jake is going off, and don't get me wrong, sheets is batting 300 and has more walks and strikeouts. So now you do have, to the question that we put in the chat with, is this sustainable for the roster success? That's really the better question because what are you going to do once Timmy comes back and you have to start reconfiguring? You're going to probably drop Alberto, who you just gave a contract to. You're going to DFA another guy. But uh, listen, this is what you need to do. 
I mean, I don't care what you have to do at this point. You need to play your best 26, and I don't care if you put Berger at second base or you put him in the corner of the outfield because you did it with Vaughn and Sheets at this point. So as long as he's in the lineup, I don't care if he's at second base or left or right field because I want that bad in the lineup. It's going to suck defensively. Don't get me wrong. And I value defense, so it sucks for me to say that, but I really want Berger so, on this 26. Gonzo, I, I, yeah. you make complete sense, okay? This is the thing. What? I'm gonna be no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We've been we've been all going nuts about Eloy has to be the DH, okay? Because his injury question mark situation. The only time that Eloy has gotten hurt in the outfield is when he tried to when he I don't know what he was doing and climbed the uh, the outfield wall and got his arm hurt. He's never been injured like on an outfield play like Vaughn that he once he dove and like got hurt. He's never gotten hurt like on a play playing the outfield. So unless Andrew Vaughn, unless Eloy Jimenez is going to have someone run for him the bases and basically just walk for him in life, he's always going to be injury prone. So why not just let him play right field and see how many games he can give you and let Jake be in the lineup and potentially be have Jake and Sheets and Vaughn and Eloy just so that you don't have to cater to Eloy being the DH. I, I think that we're so caught up with like Eloy has to be the DH that you're literally keeping a guy out of the lineup that is going to be that much better. And Eloy is not the greatest outfielder, but he is better than Vaughn. He is better than Sheets and he is better than then Berger, two guys out of those are playing out of position. So I don't know why that's we're like, we need to have Eloy as the DH when in reality, he doesn't have to be it. Just the opposite. If Eloy is not the DH and it, Berger wasn't playing well, you can hit Grandal in the DH and have Sebi catch. So this, I think that this Eloy being the DH is putting kind of like a blocker on, on Griffal's lineup. And it's not really a necessity. He could still be playing the outfield. Yeah. It's not a it's not a really big gap between Eloy and the outfield talent. I mean, look at Oscar Colas in right field. Yeah, he has a strong arm, but he has a slow first step, and he's not reading the ball well off the bat. At least Eloy gets good jumps on baseballs, from what I see in the outfield. He's when a, they got drafted, when they got signed, mm-hmm. they weren't looking at their gloves. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And to be honest, it looks like Colas has hit that rookie wall finally. So. You're going to have to probably give him a couple of days off here to get refocused and more time for Berger to get his at-bats and uh, keep that fresh plan, platoon until you can get the rookie back on his feet again. So, I also like uh, Berger versus righty-lefties more than I like Sheets versus lefties. I think I think Berger does better against both sides of the plate. Yeah, you it better doesn't matter. He mashes both. That's, that's what I'm saying. I think that he gives you – I'm not going to say because he's not, not, he's not going to always hit this way, but I think he gives you better at-bats. Than, than Sheets does against lefties. I think that, that that part tilts more to Berger in the at-bat situation. I think he handles the bat better against both sides of the pitching, more better than most other guys in the, in the roster. Mm-hmm. And one thing that surprised me uh, this year about Jake is his, he's hitting the ball with authority to right field. Like the, the Orioles series, he hit a ball to Santander. Santander made a fucking outstanding catch on a line drive. The very next day, he hit that same ball over the right field fence. Both of them had an exit velocity of over, like, 107 miles per hour. I thought Jake Berger was just going to be pull power. But now he's starting to shoot the ball all over the damn ballpark. Let's be honest. He's playing for his future, not just the White Sox. If I'm a team out there, Cubs with the DH, you know, the Baltimore Orioles, the Tampa, 
anyone that can that could fit a guy like Anaheim that could fit a guy in to 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 hit an offensive guy and you might be able to flip somebody Boston you know and you and you can fit a guy like this you might they might be saying they might be sending a message to the White Sox saying hey what do you need and obviously when you look at that bullpen the White Sox will you know they might <laughs> trade you for another arm potentially depending on how I'm just being serious like or even the future like uh, uh, another backup like you have a you 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 might trade for a guy that potentially could be a fifth starter you know in the future you have a, if he plays well okay and that's what he he is the owner of his own destiny if he plays well the white Sox are going to have to play him and if it's not with the white Sox, the white Sox will be forced to move him to go to a team that offers the best for him that's because when people are like, well, trade Sheets, well, he didn't play well enough to get traded. But if Berger puts up the numbers, he's going to be yeah. in the Sox lineup or he'll get himself traded. Yeah. And you know what? Let's head to the guy who's responsible for putting Jake Berger in the lineup, guys. Rick Hunt. <laughs> I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, on you know, on whatever our team needs at this particular moment. I, th- I thought it was just Rick Hahn's segment because you said yeah. who makes the lineup. Yeah, uh, you confused you. me there. It was just confusing. Yeah, well, that's his job to make the lineup. Da- Daniel's wait, Rick Hahn's job to make the lineup? Yes, we know that. <laughs> no. By the way, Rick makes the lineup. Daniel makes the lineup. Fabian makes the lineup. Haber makes the lineup. Griffo at the end puts his name on it. He ain't okay. making that lineup alone. Trust well, me. Let's get to the guy that signs the lineup. Call. Okay, yeah. I'm just saying though. I'm just. I, you know what though? There's the some nights. Some days I'm like it's definitely his lineup. Other days I'm like mm, I don't know. But time will tell. Yeah. What you got, folks? For me, this is. This is Grafal's grounds, and what we just saw tonight, game two of the doubleheader, Lucas Giolito steps up on the mound when the Sox need it most and goes six innings, no hits, and he was just rolling. We'll get to him in a little bit here in Stone Pony Tweets, but uh, let's get to him after the fact here because uh, Pedro does what he loves best to bring in his um, unfortunate lefties and uh, G- uh, Jimmy Lambert got me sweating with that double to Marsh. I thought, oh boy, Ozzy Jr. put money on the the Phillies on the money line because I thought they were about to blow it again. You thought the kibosh um, was on? I thought the kibosh was on Jay and uh, oh, you know I bet you know it. Lambert. You, you definitely Lambert know I did bet good. It. You know I bet it. <laughs> and that's why he's salty right now, but. Jimmy Lambert got through that first inning, and then the second inning, Pedro left him out there, right? I I was kind of hoping that he would bring someone else fresh in for a fresh inning personally. Um, but then, yeah, he brings in, you know, like I said, he brings in Bummer with that double, and then they got out of it. And then he brings in Lopez with two outs in the eighth to shut, get the last four outs. So altogether, I'd say it was more successful out of the other starts of the week. Because uh, in that first game doubleheader, he did the exact same thing um, with bringing in, you know, Deekman. So uh, I would say in the, in this doubleheader today, 
that first game was kind of rough for the offense. There wasn't anything in particular I, I'd blame Pedro on for these two games because that first game, you know, the offense just put four on the board right off the bat and did nothing. And then um, the boys wrapped it up in the second game of the doubleheader. But that's what did you a, that's guys on feel? Lynn. That's on Lynn, by the way. Game mm-hmm. one is on Lynn uh, and C.B. Buckner. C.B. Buckner, my guy. I don't get on umpires. He missed that call. Uh, he missed that call. That that call was I, then again the game could have changed at any given moment, but I think he missed that call. Might have been a little different turnout towards the end. Then you you get Harrison. He hits the home run. You know I think that from a Grafal standpoint, the the move worked for him in the game too. So you can't critique it. Again, it's it's a move that you're like, hey, why don't you go in with a fresh guy? To his defense, man, he's tried so many different things in the in the in the bullpen that nothing's been working. That he's probably being like at this point let me try something different but this allowed him the giolito allowed him to do that um and also the fact that he he rode lynn and didn't go too early to the pen the pen was fresh for game two so you got to give him credit for that in the sense that he he stuck with giolito um and then that giolito you know put up the, the innings that's what you do um as a as a pitcher in a doubleheader as a starter you say hey you got to grind it out either by your team by pitching well not letting them score or you got to eat the innings because again your bullpen is going to get exposed. The only part about Grafal, and I shared to you guys a picture that I created, um, is Grafal made a statement saying, we are going to kick your ass every single day. It just doesn't happen two nights in a row. And I, I don't know if that part's missing. I hope that at some point, so tomorrow's going to be a big day, because he hasn't kicked anyone's ass two days in a row. Um, We've got so, our ass kicked two days in a well, row. I'm just saying, though, it, it's it's like they – like the, the thing, it was – as a manager, you go in a doubleheader and you're facing a really good team that the defending National League champions, you know, they've been struggling, but they're still the defending National League champions. You come out first inning, the team's up three, nothing. And then it's a battle and you kind of lose it there from an umpire call. So as, as an emotional, as, as, as a position is, you're, you're kind of devastated. You're like, this is horrible. So for the fact that the team came out game two and like played pretty good baseball, Berger, go home run, Jolito pitched probably the best game he has in a long, long time it puts you in a situation of like, okay, I want to see what tomorrow comes. And if they can, they can, they can take advantage of that and build on that. If you win two in a row, it's called a winning streak. That's what they need to be able to compile because you'll see flashes of greatness from the team and from Griffol that I want to see them do it like back to back nights. Like one night I see them like doing a great job and you're like, wow, this, and again, that's a lot of first year managers. Do you see them like, whoa, that he did a really good job today. And the next day you're like, Ooh, I don't know. That's kind of uh, you're doubtful on that one. So I think that he needs he knows that he needs to get over that hump. Ever since they put him in that little stupid cart for the one one victory, they jinxed him. He hasn't been able to win after that like two games in a row. Hasn't won two games in a row since spring training. Uh, which again, it, it to him it's gotta bother him to have him won a series. So tomorrow's gonna be a big a big deal, uh, in, in that sense of how he comes out with the lineup. But I think that the way that he handled it today, it, it could have been a lot worse. And he, they split. That's what you want to do with a doubleheader. Obviously, you want to sweet but it's a very <clears throat> Phillies but I, I think that I like the lineup construction he's taking a shot at hitting sheets third I give him credit man I think that one thing that people used to make fun of Tony and they used to make fun of Tony's lineups and and Tony played Larry and now they're doing it with Hanser and you have a 26 man roster you have to play guys so like Gonzo just said if we see if we see Berger in right field he's in right field like if guys are hurt Okay, and guys are injured. Grafal's on a trainer or a doctor. He gets a report. 
So Griffal can get red in the face, call everybody out, but he can't make you play. So he's going to put in the lineup who is healthy and who is playing. He's going to figure it out. So you can't, you can't hate the guy for what he's throwing out there when that's the lineup that you're given. And that sucks, but it is what it is. His shortstop, who's the best hitter on this team, is hurt. Moncada, who's potentially the best third baseman defensively on this team, is hurt. So now you're putting people there that potentially should be getting that many at bat. So I think to this point, I don't blame anything on him. There's a couple moves here and there, but I, for him, I just want to see improvement. If he's if he's doing these bad moves, like four years in, like Rick Venturia did, then I'll judge him. But first year manager, and, and he's being able to handle, you know, he hasn't blown up. You know, he didn't take out Jolito in the fourth inning because he was in trouble with a runner on second or some, you know, horrible move like that. So I, I think that he's did this week. The team didn't play well, but I don't think it was because of Griffal. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about game one for a second. I got to give Griffal and Lynn credit because Lance Lynn could have gave up 10 runs. Griffal could have pulled them in the third inning. And neither of which those happen. Sometimes you got to let nature take its course. I was watching the game last night between Houston and the Jays and fucking Kevin Galsman got his shit wrecked early and often. Galsman gave up, what, seven runs the first inning, he still pitched five. So when you get these veteran starters, you have to give them a chance to at least compete. I don't want to pull Lance Lynn like he's 24 years old and he just doesn't have it. You know, give him a chance to at least fight back. Griffal did that. Now, I will critique the fact that uh, me and Gonzo was talking about it off air, leaving Jimmy Lambert in for the second frame. That can't happen. You got a full rested bullpen. We just got snowed in with two and a half inches of snow yesterday. Um, go to the arm. Why couldn't uh, Graveman come in and just fucking extinguish that right then and there? Uh, you're pitching Jake Deakman every day like he's your fucking stepson or something. Uh, I wanna, I'm want i going to do an internal investigation on why Jake Deakman has to pitch every game. But... Uh, other than that, I really can't complain. I'm I'm along with you, uh, OJ. Like, the roster's hurt. you kind of handcuffed. Some guys can only play one and a half positions. Uh, I don't really complain about the lineup. It seems like he wants a lefty bat hitting third. Uh, you know, most of the time he's going with mm-hmm. Benintendi and Sheets. And I'm okay with that. I mean, it gives it a little bit of balance, makes sure the lineup ain't top heavy. But I just don't like the fact that you're forcing Jake Deakman to pitch 100. He's on pace to pitch. How, how much is Katz, though? Games. Here's the thing, though. He's learning the staff. So how it usually works is you you tell your your man your your you look at your pitching coach and he's warming up somebody up. And then you look down there and says, "I got a righty and a lefty." That's how the good good pitching coaches do it. And and that's the part where where fans, especially the the upper deck experts in the analytics guys, there's a great you could be a great coach. Okay, and be in the lab and work with guys on rotation and placement and and develop them. And, and usually a guy that's like a, a minor league director in pitching is that guy. Okay. He leads all the minor leagues in like our philosophy. Then there's a big difference when you're in the game and you have to go to the mound, okay, and get guys and say, Hey, how do you feel? Who am I going with? And kind of like that bullpen management. That's where I think cats kind of gets dinged a lot. And I don't know if that's again. You have Katz, who's like not the most advanced in that situation. You got, you know, Pedro, who's a first year manager. I don't know how what Charlie's telling him. So when that like when those situations, 
like let's say Grafal isn't you always have like a de facto name in your head of like you always try to go to that guy okay mm-hmm. that's when your bench coach is like hey hey don't go to Deepman why Deepman's been we've we've taken Deepman out four days in a row or Deepman's not available that's pitching coach that's bench coach to remind the manager of what's going on so that that's on a staff when little things like that happen again you'll never throw anybody under the bus but those are things that you want to see how the staff is working with him um and again a lot of these guys are you know uh cats is not is not a pedro guy pedro did not bring him so we'll see how how that develops throughout the year on like bullpen management of guys being ready and guys being ready to go uh again you don't know that it, the, the ronaldo lopez four inning strategy has worked very well for him the four batter uh you know inning and a third it was outstanding it was outstanding he's been doing it for a while though he's been using it a lot of people try to stay away from that you know they, they used to do it with liam because that's what liam does he's been doing it for his whole career but they've been using doing it very well with ronaldo so on that on that note i think that uh that it's easier and, and again we're, we're seeing the same problems that we saw again that Tony kind of dealt with. So we know that it's sometimes it might be the roster. It's not just specifically Griffo's fault. And again, you just want to, the numbers, and this is where I laugh about the analytics. They're an analytical team, but yet you start an inning with the guy that pitched the inning before. Start fresh. There's no analytics to how you manipulate it. It tells you that there's better numbers than a guy repeating. That's not, those numbers don't make sense. So that's where I laugh about like, okay, is this move analytical that you're doing or are you just pretending that it is because that's not a very analytical move? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd like to go back to this Baltimore series cause, and we're going to touch more on the bullpen in a bit here, but on Sunday you leave season basically cause you have to, you can't really trust your bullpen. You got to let him keep in flow and finish off that six frame. Even if he does get to 113 pitches, but uh, I give, Kudos to uh, Pedro for leaving, leaving him in, let him get through it. Um, but then you, then you go after leaving him in. The first guy you go to is Bummer in a one-run game. So uh, unfortunately, the rest is history. But uh, Friday, Gorfal also went to Deekman right after Clevenger's performance. So we're going to get to this, but I feel like he's definitely feeling out his pen and he's going to know who he's going to go to in these situations. But I just feel like right now in the one run lead, I'm not going to go to any of those lefties, even if the analytics tells me to, because I really like what I'm seeing out of Santos and Middleton and their role, you know, and their roles in as middle relief. Um, I just want to uh, say the White Sox might've found something in Kenyon Middleton. He given me really mm-hmm. cold, really good Cody Hoyer vibes. You remember when Cody Hoyer yes. first sat on the fucking, got on the scene and, that's what I see. That's what I see out of Kenya Middleton right now. How I many? What was the record when Katie Hoyer was in the White Sox? Might be a light skin legend. Stay by the way, by the way, um, what was the White Sox record when Kate when Hoyer was on the on the? We was a million games above five hundred. Uh, were you? Yeah, we were. What year was that? Twenty one. Or was it twenty? Was it twenty? Oh, there was. Uh, it was twenty. It was uh, it was COVID year. Yeah, it was twenty. So he was great for sixty games. Oh, that doesn't matter. So was uh, that's what I thought. Uh, we don't talk about sixty game seasons, man. Yeah, whatever. Burger Burger would get an MVP. Let's let's just say he's on his way now. That's what I'm saying. If we he's had, on his if way we, now. If we did sixty game seasons, he probably would. They're not gonna do that. Kenya Middleton, Gregory Santos, nails. So far. 
I think that he's going to, in the Baltimore series, I think that they might have estimated, underestimated Baltimore's firepower um, when they came into town. So, because I think they're a very good team. I think a lot of people don't take them seriously because they're like not one of the, they're not the top team in the East, but they're yeah. a very, very good team and, and a team that um, is going to play one. And here's the part, man. Griffalls going to get judged. I think when when there's ever a three-run game, especially with leads that you have to protect them, that's when managers get exposed. Um, and that's that's something that you have to eventually um, kind of deal with and see how many one-run games you won and how many uh, three-run leads that you save. That's, that's how he's going to get judged. Yeah. But, but, like, that's how it needs to be done, though, because you saw a Hall of Fame manager really early in the season put guys into those situations with those opportunities to test them to see if they grab the opportunity and take it so he can trust them later in the year. Yeah, Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah. That's Tony's guy. Tony made Ronaldo Lopez. That's his guy. Yeah. Thank you. But no one, no one's going to give him credit. He put Ronaldo. Ronaldo Lopez was in the garbage, thrown away. And Tony walked in the clubhouse and found this, this guy in the garbage can and basically said, I'll make you better again. And with Katz's help, they found a place for him in the, in the bullpen that made him successful because nobody else could have figured out before they trying to start him and he was kind of bouncing around and you really know Antonio was like, you're the bullpen guy and you're going to be in this situation. So you got to give him credit for that. Again, I think that Crochet comes back. If he is giving these, if you give Crochet these opportunities, he ain't going to be passing them along. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Like if you give him that, like, and it, it said to this, like if you, whenever, whenever you need to close games, you have to be ready because that means that your career can change or you become a high leverage guy. You, that means that when you are called upon to do the job, you do it. And then they keep calling you and that's how you make millions of dollars. But when they call on you and you shit the bed, you're never going to be a high leverage guy. So I, I think that right now they're testing guys out and, and I'm going to be honest, man, and I, this is what, how I'm going to end it with Grafal. He's going nowhere. Okay. He is going nowhere. If, if I was the owner and people are going to be like, and, and this season goes wrong, Pedro Griffol is the last person that I'm thinking about firing. I'm firing everyone upstairs before I fire Pedro Griffol. And I think any general manager that comes in will work with Pedro Griffol and Griffol will make it work. But Griffol will be here for the Birmingham project, the agile rebuild, you know, the, you know, the extended window, whatever they want to call the great, it. The great reset. The great reset. There you go. Brooks Boyer's going to call you. No, I'm being serious. I think that you have a guy in a manager where he communicates well. You kind of have everything. He's up and coming himself. You have a fresh pitching coach, a fresh manager. That if you have to go to the great reset, he's the guy. You don't look for anybody. Here's the difference. People talk about the Ozzie and Griffol. Maybe the front office is thinking this because they were the last two candidates, according to everybody. Do you think Ozzie would have sat through a, a, a great reset and not said yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a great reset. We're losing 100 games. Like he would have he would have he would have been way too honest. And yeah. if you can go a great reset again, it's not a rebuild, but you can retool. And we're seeing it right now with with Minnesota. They sucked. They made a couple of trades. They're in first place. We love imitating what other teams do. So you know you kind of move the manager. They've done it. Other teams have done it. You know you kind of start something fresh. So I could see this team moving some pieces and bringing a team that's more Griffalish like. Uh, I'm just saying though, like, do, do you, I, I don't like think that. I don't I don't think Moncada's a Grafol type of player. 
I'll give it to you like right there. I don't think Rafal looks at Moncada as like, that's my guy. He can tell the paper that that's his guy. I don't think Rafal looks at Eloy and say, that's my guy. He can say it on that. But when he sees him not playing and getting hurt, Rafal's like, dude, Rafal's a grinder. Rafal's like a, a backup catcher, a guy that grinded his way through, never made it to the big leagues. He's a guy that wakes up in the morning, reads the Bible probably, does like push-ups. You know, you can tell the guy is a very straightforward, not your typical big league guy that made it on pure talent and that gets the game. This guy has earned everything that has been given to him. So guys that don't work hard, he looks down upon them. He doesn't tell you he looks down upon you because that that's not part of his job. But when he's around with his friends and he's having a couple beers, he's like, I'm looking down on this guy. Your work ethic is not what I think it should be because yeah. he, he, he's got, he's used all of his talents to get him where he was. He wasn't a great, you know, baseball player, this great baseball mind. You know, he wasn't a guy that, they got in the minor leagues and said, I'll put it this way. He, he's not Rick Hahn. He's not Chris Getz where somebody gave him a job and said, this guy's a genius. This guy's this. The guy, you look at his work, like look at his biography, man. Like literally, go. the guy put the work in. Like put the work in all in the front office, never got a GM shot. Then put in all the work in the minor leagues. That was like bullpen catcher and then this and then that. Team translator. Like just grinding it out all the way to becoming a big league manager. So I don't think he doesn't take work ethic as like, if you don't work hard, I think he's looking down on you. I really do. Oh, yeah. Then why do you think uh, it's easy for him to stuff Jake Berger in the lineup? Because That's what I mean. Like, I think Jake I think Berger he likes that. that. Blue-collar guy. And I'll tell you this much. If you're a manager, it gets to the point that if you are going to win or lose, and especially if it keeps losing, you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to lose with the guys that I want to go to battle with. I'm not losing with the guys that are taking this for granted. And that's where I think if they're having conversations, guys that don't fit the Griffol mold are gone. It, it happened before. It happened in 04. 04, Ozzy had great players. Carlos Lee, Valentin, awesome guys. Amazing guys. Guys that we're still friends with. But they weren't very, you know, Ozzy-like. Ozzy-like guys that, you know, ran over, ran through walls and, you know, were okay with bunning in, in the second inning and, you know, playing as a team. Ozzy loved that. He, he hated selfish players because he was that type of player. So, I think when people compare Ozzy and Grafal and the fact that they both speak Spanish, I think Grafal's that type of player. He likes guys that kind of work for their, you know, kind of grind it. Like Benatendi's on his team. He brought Andrew Benatendi. How many managers would have been like, I want to bring this guy in? I want Andrew Benatendi. But, but I'm just saying, say though, that? But I'm saying, though, it's it's a traditional solid base. If, if, no, Pedro Grafal, if Pedro Grafal is here four years ago, three years ago, Sean Murphy is a White Sox catcher. Or James McCann is, like, on this roster. Like, he wants to build a good team. I, I don't think he cares about superstars. I think he wants to build the best team possible for him to win. I don't think he cares about superstars. I really don't. In, in my honest opinion, if it was up, if I was to say, what what players do you think are Griffal's guys? Tim Anderson, Andrew Vaughn, and Jake Berger. I would say Tim, those three. I think Tim Anderson's everybody's guy. I think other than Tim, just being very boisterous and saying like really random stuff. And kind of getting kicked out of it. He does his job. Yeah. When he's when he's not hurt, he plays. He has mental lapses, which player doesn't, but he's improved. If you look at TA when he got to the White Sox to where he is at now, I like the it. guy, he he's done his job. The, the the TA conversation is completely different because the White Sox need to decide are we paying for TA or are we not? You pay for TA. At this point, again, if you're gonna build this team and you're not gonna build it around a guy that's gonna hit 50 home runs. Then you have to build it again around guys where I think TA is a guy that could be part of the of the mix, how you build for the future. 
I, want I really Tim, do. I want Tim Anderson to retire in a White Sox jersey. Well, that's never going to happen. The fact that you said I want a guy to retire in a White Sox jersey, that's probably – Cal Ripken doesn't play for the White Sox. You're not the – ball. like, that's – you're not the Yankee. Like, that's not going to happen. So just take a shit on my dreams. All right, you know what? I'm just saying it hasn't happened. It, it, it happened since PK. I'm just uh, saying it's not something that I would – And then you bring up Canerco. Okay. I just think that TA might want to play for longer. I just really think that he brings, I think number one, he's very undervalued. I think that number one, he is the guy on the White Sox, other than Dylan Deceased, that has the most value in the White Sox, I think. Okay. Gonzo, uh, do you agree with that? That TA has the most value in the market? Yeah, at this moment. At yeah. this moment today. He has more value yeah. than Eloy. He has more value than all those guys. I agree. I just Plus think his contract is amazing. Not that I don't like TA. I just think at the age of 29, going to the second contract, I'd probably base myself on someone else going forward than TA. Gonzo don't like pain. Oh, hold on. Wait, Gonzo, <laughs> let me ask you something. I'm 30 years old. I'll be 31 in December. Would you if my contract was up for the blackout show, would, yeah, you, but talk, like, would you talk to him and get me re What are our options? I don't think you're going to get him. You're not going to give him a short-term deal with the contract he was first given. So he's not doing a team-friendly deal. And you're seeing all these shortstops getting seven to seven plus years of money deals. And uh, look at what Dansby got. Yeah, you know where TA. You know where TA is going to get traded. Hmm. And it could happen, but even though they signed Arcia, but he just got hurt. Atlanta Braves. You're the second person that said that. I'm just saying, though, I look at the team. I, my cousin's a backup shortstop. I look at that team, and I'm like, ooh, he fits that team very well. That bold, again, he can go to the Dodgers and be the everyday shortstop. But I think the Braves, the Dodgers are teams that, when you bring someone of Tim Anderson's caliber, we saw him on Team USA. The guy's playing around like. So what would the him. Sox get back? Well, you oh, Here's a part. You call Greg Lunhau, and you hire him for three weeks and say, can you please make this trade for me? Because I don't trust the guys that are going to make that trade, that they're going to get value in return for T.A. I'm, the, 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 the worry for the White Sox is not where T.A. is going to go. It's about who's going to decide what they get in return for T.A. Yeah. Because that's, that's where the tricky part happens of the Moncada. Yeah, Moncada was good, but the other guy on the, on the table was Rafael Devers. So was the, were, the, were the Red Sox like, oh, they really got us? Or were they like, ha, ha, ha? I think they were like, <laughs> that's what I mean. So like the C's situation, you know, when the Sox asked him and said, it's either C's or no one. And the Cubs took the bite. That was a good trade because they had other options. They, they could have brought a Shoreberg and then had to resign him, but they got Eloy. Good trade. So I think that it, if you decide to, to, what they cannot happen with the White Sox, and I'm not talking just about TA, the uh, Jose Abreu situation can't happen. I'm not talking about bringing him back. If you, if you and your, if you're in the front office, you know, you have a lineup made for the next five years, okay, of like what your future looks like. When Montgomery's going to come up, when So-So is going to come up, you make moves so that you're not left with a guy and lose him to free agency just because you know you're not going to re-sign him. You, don't, you can't let that happen. You bring back a box, a box of baseballs. You have yeah. to at that point. Like Trey Mancini's trade to Houston was a brave. Yep, opening up that slot for your next first baseman. Uh, um, you know, okay. o- OJ, Gonzo, this conversation about trading TA has been absolutely fucking depressing. It's been the worst conversation I had all year. 
We're going to wait. We're going to move on to Stone Pony's tweets before you make me fucking cry on this podcast. Goodbye. Now, one of the White Sox Twitter elites, my co-host for the Bad Guy Radio, Ken W.O., he said he was upset at Griffal for pulling, Co- uh, not Kopech, but Giolito. How many pitches was he at, uh, Gonzo, when he got pulled? Oh, I think Jesus. Like 113? You said Cease or uh, Gio? Gio? Giolito. Giolito? Uh, let me pull it up here. He was at... 102 pitches. Yeah, so Ken was upset that he got yanked at 102 pitches through six. He wanted him to throw 140 like Edwin Jackson did against Tampa, where I think he threw, I think Edwin Jackson threw like 214 pitches through nine innings for a no hitter. Uh, what do you guys think? You think you should have let Gio ride it out? Overrated. No hitters are overrated. And White Sox fan, no hitters are overrated. What? No hitters are overrated. Unless it's a perfect game, no hitters are overrated. You don't you might get extra money for signing. White Sox fans are obsessed with personal gifts, personal records. It's overrated. Pedro Grafal is here to manage a whole season. Not to make White Sox fans on Twitter and in the stands happy and give Giolito. TA would have been agree with me. Overrated, overrated, overrated. And here's the thing. Every time there's a no-hitter, by the way, Mark Burley's perfect game. What happens to the season after that? (laughs) Philip Humbart. What happened to the season after that? Come on, bro. First of all. Look at at the history. Brandon Ryan didn't swing in Philip Humbart. Wait, hold up. Carlos Rodon went like this. No, no, I'm talking about, about, I'm not talking about the pitcher. I'm talking about the season. Yeah, and his next season, he hit no, no, no. with the, the Giants. Team, the team, the team. The team uh, that year. The team, the team. I'm not a if, – if it happens, it happens. I don't I don't think that you – Ozzy got critiqued because he made a defensive change in the, in the Burley perfect game, okay? Because he was trying to win a game. He wasn't managing like, oh, I'm managing a perfect game. Grifol's managing – Grifol's managing the game. He's not there to, for Giolito's, like – trying to get Jolito a record or like you're going to and lose the game. This guy hasn't, by the way, he promised to kick people's asses and he hasn't done it back to back nights. The last thing he's thinking about is Jolito's feelings about a no hitter. He wants to get the win. You know who used to kick ass OJ? These guys. Actually, they, 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 they look cool, but they didn't really kick ass. They, they, (laughs) by the way, Hawk put Carlton Fisk to play left field. So that was, that was a, Carlton Fisk is a really good athlete. Apparently, according to him, apparently, so bring Ozzy back. No, I, I'm not ready to bring back. You know what? Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I, I'll bring Ozzy back where to the no, man. My dad would be super miserable right now. He would be angry, he would no not Moncada, be sleeping. No, TA, he would be calling people out post game press conferences. <laughs> would be it would not be good. It would, it, it, my mom and him, he would be very miserable. He'd probably be vodka himself to sleep every night. The fact that he has not won back-to-back games and it's April 20th, it would not be good 
Junior, Junior, I think Giolito's a contrarian to your trend because didn't he throw the no-hitter in the COVID year and then they won the division the next year? By the way, can we not talk about anything COVID? <laughs> Why? You can't, it's you a 60 game any, season. Giolito could have thrown Giolito could have thrown 700 pitches. <laughs> there was only 60 games. He was gonna have five starts. No, not Rick Renteria could have been like, throw that guy out. Guys, it's April. Okay. I all right, hold up. I want to hit I want to keep pitching until he gives up that hit. And I don't And, care. and by the way, that's a situation. And again, that's I, I get you, Gonzo, but here's the thing, and we've talked about this in the last show. If Gildito's pulled out too early, okay, he he complains about being pulled out too early, and the fans complain about out too early. But if they leave him too long, okay, is leaving too long. If Gildito loses today's game, okay. You put somebody on and they go and take his ass deep. As the first hit of the game is a is Jolita walks two guys and they take his ass deep. We would all be here saying Griffal's an idiot. Why would he leave him in? Da 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 da. He's trying to win the game. And it's not when it wasn't a, a a 10 nothing game. Let's see what happens. It was a pretty close game. So I don't critique him at all. I really don't because it was a close game. He needed that victory. And Giolito is not trustworthy. He has not earned the, the let's let's throw him out there until he gives up that hit because that hit could have been a home run and the game could have gone ugly. And that was just my take. And, and by the way, no hitters are overrated. No, no. He, he, he brought in Graveman. So, like, that was solid, bring him in in that situation for that next pitcher. But – I would still bring in Graveman after the fact you give up that first hit. Yeah, and then Graveman walks the next guy and then yak! Home <laughs> run, tie game. Ah, Griffal, you're an idiot. I, again, that's just hey, me. That's I think baseball. no hitters are overrated. I really do. I really do. I was heartbroken when Cease gave up that hit versus against, against Minnesota. And, and yeah. by the way, Minnesota, my best friend, Freddie Garcia, Freddie Garcia had a battle with Joanne Santana, had a no-hitter going through the eighth inning. And, and he told Ozzy, I don't want to come on until I give up the hit. And, and he lost the game, you know, had a great game. I think he gave up one hit, one or two hits. And, and again, play pitchers chase it. I think when you're a good pitcher, Cease is always going to flirt with it. Nolan Ryan threw seven, but he had like, took like 20 games to like the eighth inning with one hit. Like if you're good, that's going to happen. And mm-hmm. Jolito will eventually could eventually get his. I don't critique it because of how close the game was, the situation the team is in at right now. For Giolito, dude, imagine this. Giolito goes out there and he throws him out for 140 pitches. By the way, Edwin Jackson was in a wheelchair. That's my boy, great dude. He was in a wheelchair when that happened, that he threw 140 pitches, meaning he didn't care. Let's say Giolito goes out there and throws 170 pitches, 160 pitches, old school style. And then he gets hurt in June in his free agent year. It happened to Jack McDowell. Jack McDowell cut his career short because he was throwing complete games, the White Sox winning 12 to 2. And he's going out there throwing complete games, 200 pitches. His arm was shot. So I think from a strategy standpoint, again, people love analytics. Going 170 pitches, 160 pitches, it's not healthy for anybody. That's been proven. If not, they would go back to that style of, of the way that it was. So I, I don't I don't disagree with it. Again, I know people love no hitters and they would have had like a no hitter giveaway day and Jolito would have probably made a little bit more money signing in his autograph because he would have put no hitter and then the year and then for the White Sox who don't have championships and celebrate individual accomplishments like they do home runs in 
in uh, home runs in the Ivy or whatever in cornfields and do all those types of celebrations, individual ones, they would care a lot, a lot about that. But in championship teams, you don't care about that. You care about wins. Wow. I, I still would allow him to keep going. and Because Gonzo wanted a no-hitter. He wanted to be here in the show talking no-hitter and being like, oh, my God, I got a no-hitter. It's Again, I broadcast a no-hitter. It's a great – it's awesome to see one live. But, yeah. again, I know, I understand why he did it. This is fucking. No, sick. I understand why you did it. I just yeah, want to see it. I want to see Gio. Oh, as a fan, of course you. As a fan, of course you want to see it. Of course, I would. I also want to see two hundred pitches. I would have wanted to see that more than no hitter. See if he could have done it. I mean, my personal agenda is to watch him burn out so that Davis Martin can take his spot. Um, That's actually worse than anything Ivy <laughs> Junior just said tonight. By the way, why do you hate on Davis Martin? Davis Martin has been a savior. By the way, he has been a savior. Of the I fact know. that it, I didn't okay. say I hate him. I Mike wanted. Clevenger, Mike I want. Has been a savior. I want I mean, Martin to take David or to. T- I want Martin to take Geo's spot because I felt like talking Gio about re- be in the talking about wait talking about talking about move, making moves that are smart. Okay, if you're in a situation where you're like four or five games out out of first place before the trade deadline, let's say you're like you're you're in it but not really. Okay, you're just in it. Delusional fans are in it. You don't move Jolito and just give Davis a shot at pitching and move Jolito for pieces. I will. That's what I'm saying, though. So, like, this is why you're building up his confidence so you can. A no header would have would have raised that. Would you sign? Price. Would you sign Jolito back? No. No. At at at, at 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 you didn't sign Rondon back. I know. And Rondon. Well, well hold up, hold up. You really well. Him. You gave him quite the offer this past off season. Oh no, no! I'm talking about he was never going to come back here. That was a, that was a yeah, that was a pride yeah. thing. He was right. never going to come back. Jerry had to give him a grandkid and maybe partially ownership of the team. That was a <laughs> I want it all. Like I'm going to be my own pitching coach. I'm bringing my cousin to catch for me. I think there was a little bit of pride there. But I'm talking about originally when he didn't get an offer, when he didn't get mm. the qualifying offer, when they said no, you're not even good enough for the qualifying offer, buddy. I think I, that- I got I got that though. Because again, it was a lot of with his tenure, with his tenure and the injuries, he just didn't prove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always hurt when he was the wife. But again, like with the with the with Giolito, and again, I know that he is better than Davis Martin. He's proven himself to be better than Davis Martin. But like, it's not like you're trading Cease right now with a huge upside. Like Giolito's upside is the years are not as many as Davis Martin's years will be there. So I think yeah. that's why they're considering it. But again, I, I personally understand why Griffold did it to win that game. He didn't want to risk it. Um, maybe it was later in the year he would have done it. I and again, regardless of what happened today, I still think no hitters are overrated. Wow. Because it's still one win. It's one win. You don't get two wins. You still get one win. And the and the, and the point of winning the game is one win. That's why stats, yeah. individual stats are great for fantasy baseball and for guys getting paid. If your best player went five for five and your team lost, it's pointless. It's irrelevant. Your job is to win games. That's what champions do. I, I learned that in Atlanta. I learned that in Atlanta. I, I learned that in Atlanta. He's on the mound. I want everybody dumping Gatorade on each other. And hopefully they don't get hurt. Vaughn almost, almost hurt by attending. By the way, again, you want to have – they should have waited to – like you want to have that one moment of like greatness. Like right now, the TA home run in, in the cornfield. If you look at the video and the way they put that highlight – you think that the season ended that day and that we went to the playoffs. 
Amber okay. waves of grace. They got beat the next two games. They lost the series. The Yankees laughed at them. It's like when they showed the, the home run from Carlton Fisk in Boston going doing this. The next day, the red the, the big red machine went and whooped them. But history doesn't tell I really that. don't like where this show is going. I'm just saying, honest. though, I, for at this point with the White Sox, they're at a point where winning has to be more important than individual. Is winning important in the White Sox clubhouse right now? It should be. Why else are they there? You didn't sign Jose Abreu because no, you wanted I'm to win more games. Asking. It should be. but It is for Pedro Grifol. It is for Pedro Grifol. You don't think, dude, whatever people think of Pedro Grifol, you don't have the manhood to get up on stage in a press conference and tell people you're going to kick their ass and you don't think winning's important. Trust me, you don't go up there and say, I'm going to kick somebody's butt. I'm not, argue, think, I'm not arguing that. I'm for saying. the players, I think there's players on the roster that don't think winning as serious as, as that. That's my question. I think there's players on the roster today that they winning might be second to their performance, second to a lot of things. Second to their paycheck? Yes. So, like, let's just say walking out of that South Side Tunnel on 35th Street, is there a big gap from walking out of the tunnel, let's just say, in the Bronx or Bush Stadium? Or uh, what year though? Racine. Again, what year? It, it's that is when you talk about Brooks Boyer does not build culture. Okay, what Pedro Grifol, what he's his statement again, people just took it the wrong way because it was very boisterous. But instead of him saying that, that's what he needs to build out every single time. When you take the field, you're taking the field to win. That's how you win ninety plus games. Like you take, yeah. like you should be, like you should be celebrating that you took a series. Like we just took a series from the bad teams. We just took like you, you, you literally enjoy and you don't let. Number one, you don't lose series at home. You you defend home like this is your home. Like no one's gonna come in here and take series from us at home. You're gonna go on the road and say we just whooped you in your own house. Okay, yeah. you you have to have that. And you guys asked me like why I enjoy the Indians. Uh, sorry, the Guardians so much is because I know guys in that clubhouse that hate the White Sox, that they enjoy whooping on the White Sox at home. They enjoy fans booing them. I think that's what they, the attitude that they need to have. I think the White Sox are like the Mets. They don't care. Like oh they think, I'm just being serious. Like No, I you, agree with you. Again, like they don't, they don't deliver. And I agree. And that's, the aura, that's the aura of a winning culture team where, 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 where your paycheck is great, but winning becomes so important to you in the, in the frontal – Guys are going to get paid. Okay, People don't realize this. Guys get paid regardless. Your check comes in every two weeks. Some guys more than others. But if you make winning important, okay, if you make winning the key matter, you enjoy more when you're going to the stadium and you start getting those wins because it's fun being there. And then when you care about winning and you don't win, that's when it gets miserable because guys are fighting each other. You know, guys are calling each other out. That's what it means. You can't just go through the motions. You got to make winning a priority. Not your manager say it or your pitching coach or your marketing department or your fans saying we're the best team in the American League. There's a lot of talking. It's about going and delivering as a team. That's what that's the problem. There's a lot of Chris Sale was a great pitcher when he was here. You've had, you know, Jose Abreu had an amazing career here. Tim Anderson has put up numbers, batting titles and been one of the best shortstops in the American. That's all individual accomplishments. What have you done as a team? That's what counts. Well, you really just uh, ruined my fucking day with this no hitter ain't important. Let's go to another tweet that actually blew my day. Uh, Gonzo, 
MLB executive Burner told me that White Sox bullpen ERA is 7.7, despite heavy investments within the group. The group is making over $40 million in 2023 alone. Organizationally, the White Sox are a mess. This young hype core never materialized, including my boy, Juan Moncada, into stars on the position side. Their window never really opened. How do you stomach that, Gonzo? The hardest part about that is, I mean, unfortunately, like, you know, Liam Hendricks has every right not to be, at, you know, with the, you know, the team at the moment with dealing non-Hopkins, non-Hopkins lymphoma. But when you take his contract off of that, you know, it's still crazy to think that the other seven guys have like 30 something million and you put, you gave Joe Kelly like what, 7 million this year and you have to baby him when he is here with us. So and then you get, make that trade for Deekman. You got Deekman's contract on there. You have a lot of bad contracts coming off the books soon, though, in 2024. But um, you get you given this money, like we were just talking about the contracts here. You're eating up. Like you need to perform. And there's there's no accountability yet. Junior, have you seen any accountability with the? Uh, no. Like, well, maybe maybe inside the clubhouse. No, he hasn't ripped anybody yet. And again, people's feelings now. You can't rip players. Joe Kelly's a great writer. Joe Kelly, I think when he got the contract, it was a little bit uh, what he did in the past, not what his future looked like. Horrible signing, again, my take, because um, he hasn't been able to perform because, like I say, he's, he's always injured. I think when you sign – I thought that when they signed Liam, okay, you bought an elite closer, that they were not going to go and spend that much money for the other middle-of-the-road guys, that you were going to try to fix it within internally that you were going to try to make Ronaldo Lopez that guy, a crochet. Like, you had the pieces. And when you're looking at this right now, again, when he comes back, the probably the second best pitcher out of that bullpen, probably the two best pitchers out of that bullpen, are homegrown, Ronaldo Lopez and Crochet. And let's imagine that Santos becomes that next guy that does well. Bullpens are something that you can rebuild every year. I've never every been a fan. year. I've never been a fan of signing te- of signing bullpen guys so long-term deals unless like you're the one elite guy because then when you have a lot of pitchers that way they tend to like regress a lot it happens a lot within the bullpens so the fact that you went and you spent all this money to be able to fix the bullpen situation and now you're losing game because of the bullpen and let me be straight the bullpen has never been good okay since bummer and these guys got here look at they might have one or two good games the bullpen has never been elite where you're like, oh, that, you know, two years ago, we got bullpen of the year. If you take Liam and you say, Liam, get him out. Okay. And then you, and you take Ronaldo Lopez's last year and some of the year before, and you look at those guys' numbers throughout, like, all, like the whole trash. time. It's, it's, it's trash. Bad. It's 500 baseball. So Let's that's, people always give credit to Ozzy 05. And but the fact that that 05 team and they had hitters and they had was how good that bullpen was. And when you look at the names, it wasn't, you didn't have guys making, you know, 20 million dollars. Holy I'm just saying it was guys that were I'm just saying it was guys that were good, but they were they were there for a job and they kind of like build it out. So you can look at every World Series team that makes it. You know, Houston's done it over and over again, even Tampa, where you can refresh guys, and that comes into yeah. the development. when you it's really hard to develop frontline starters because everyone's looking for them. But I think as an organization, you should always be able to d- develop really good bullpen guys, guys that can come in and stop and, and kind of, and then you might trade or sign a big, a big time closer or a big time name 
a guy that's more established. But I think I think that's a really, really big knock on, on Rick Hahn in the front office because you're looking at the, the team that spend the least amount of money on a bullpen and you're worse than them. That, that's got to hurt. It really does. That I think that hurts more than Moncada. I think that hurts more than the Eloy signing, more than the Pantera signing. I think that as a whole, that one hurts a lot. And again, that's not even including the guys that have left, okay, that have left the bullpen. Because in that bullpen money, you got to throw in uh, Cubs guy. Kimbrel. Kimbrel. Yeah. Because you let him go. He pitched against us today. Uh, really yeah, he did. And then you, and then a couple years ago, you had the Kelvin Herrera situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be sick. I'm just saying, though, I, 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 the, the, there's, a, there's a pattern to signing bad bullpen guys. Um, you know, Colomay, they let him go, and then he went and had a great – you know, the, the, the bullpen situation – has not been the greatest of for the White Sox compared to other places. So I think it's I think it's probably one of the biggest concerns, uh, because if we've seen this, a three run lead is not a big enough lead for the Sox, and the offense can come back. They they've been down four or five runs and they'll come back. It's up to the bullpens. Even that Baltimore game, the Baltimore team gave up four runs because uh, they should have been swept. The the, the Orioles should have won that game. They gave it back to the White Sox. The White Sox bullpen kept giving it back. Um, they did three times. So I think the bullpen has his own concerns. And two of your relief pitchers are in your top 10 players on contracts. Graveman at eight and then Bummer at about 4 million. And if those guys were pitching well, which that's what they should root for, you Mm -hmm. can move Graveman for a big piece because he would be a guy that if he's pitching well, you you get moved. And, And then the worst part is you went and traded Diekman last year I don't know why I didn't know much about Deakman, but it, I didn't think that it was a, it wasn't a move for like a middle of the road guy that you're like, man, this guy has a lot of potential to, you know, somebody trades for Ronaldo Lopez this year for the White Sox and potentially give you the next closer. I didn't, I didn't really understand the Deakman trade because I'm like, what, uh, why is he here? Like, I feel like if you're going to go get a lefty, you should have gone. I mean, I know they're in your division, but Detroit with Soto, that's a lefty I would want. Get a good get a get a good lefty. Just because you're a yeah. lefty does not mean that you're an effective one. But I'm just saying I didn't get I didn't get why and Alvarado on the Phillies were Correct. traded for. Yes. And okay, if you bring Alvarado, guys. okay, if you bring Alvarado, like if you went and made a move like that, you're like, oh, like I'll give you an example. People don't remember this. Jose Contreras gets moved in the middle of the year. Um, Jose Vizcaino gets traded from the Sox uh, there. Those are pitchers that you're like, oh, why did they make that move? And then you're like, oh, that's why. Guys that came in and really had a, uh, an effect um, in the years that came later, I didn't really like the Deakman move then, and I don't like it now. And to be honest, like last August before um, Crochet, right away Han said last August that he plans on Crochet being in the starting rotation. This was before he had a setback <laughs> on his recovery. So if you know – if that was his plan to build him into the rotation, then you would want to go get another solid lefty, like the point that we're making here. But now, now that I feel at this time that you should not have that strategy for crochet, you should keep him in the pen because you you got a guy in Noah Schultz here, here coming up in the system that very well could be one of your top arms. Birmingham project. Birmingham project. But, uh, and another point here, when Crochet comes back, <laughs> another, 
another thing you got to consider here is the, for the fact that when Liam and Crochet come back, you're not going to be pounding innings of them right away. You're, you're going to be building their stamina up. So you need someone else in this pen to, to be, you know, on a, a trend here, eating up innings so that you can get everyone strong at the same time. Because the very last thing you want to do is have these guys have setbacks and they're coming up, you know, in Liam or Crochet. Gonzo, quick question. So mm-hmm. what's the plan on bringing back Crochet to be a starter? How's that going to work? So originally... Is he going to um, like just say one day, hi, I'm a starter? Or is he going to be like a short three-inning starter? No, I think the, you would put like what they did with Kopech last year. You put him on an innings limit, like 90 or whatever, and you build so his comes, So if he comes back this year, you go like 60 innings, and then the year after that, you kind of put him... So you use you use the season after that to kind of take Giolito's spot and build from there yeah. and then okay because originally ozzy before they signed clevenger the only pitcher for 24 that was on the books is cease because lynn has an option a player yeah, option. which they're not which they're not gonna they're not gonna pick it up probably so you only got one guy yeah, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. in your rotation so you can include him in there to build him no, up I, that, that makes sense so. um by the way uh just want to let uh dragon rider know that yeah. the clippers took that nice l so Wow, your money just with my money. By the way, the Clippers, the Chicago White Sox of the NBA. Damn. So who's the Russell Westbrook of the Chicago White Sox? Oh man. Um, no, I can't say TA because TA actually delivers. Uh, Jaime Moncada. I'm not gonna lie. Wow. But like an old, an older version of, of. Again, it gets to a point where he's my boy. I can only defend him so much of like why like you need to have like a real injury like it, it you being out it gives you such a bad look like what already people think that you're lazy and all this so that's why i'm concerned of of and even if you wanted him to get himself like if you wanted to get traded or if he wanted to like it, it's just not a helpful situation so that's where i think that a guy like him you don't want to give fans the, the a real reason, like the guys like Ken Wo of like being able to rip you because if you play every day, you're like, okay, well, this guy plays it, which was my not, I which was why I always used to get mad when they used to hate on Larry. It's like, dude, he's at least at least going out there every day. We don't have anybody else. So that again, if Sebi goes like if Sebi Sabala goes 0 for 4, I'm like, the guy plays once a week. Like, what do you expect from him? Like, the guy gets a hit, that's a positive. He never plays. So again. What, you need to be in the lineup to be healthy, but this whole sit. By the way, we need to put this in the in the parking lot on the pitching situation because the point that just Gonzo just said that they only have what one pitcher. Sorry, two. Um, Kopech two. That two and uh, one and a half. Yeah, <laughs> one and a half. That's 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 concerning. Yeah, that's concerning. Because originally, before the setback, it would have been nice. Like, because if you're on, you're hoping that. Crochet or uh, not crochet, Kopech made that jump that Cease did from 21 to t- 22 for this year from 22 to That's 23. A huge jump. Maybe it even makes half of that jump, it'd be good. Yeah, but still, like you would hope that you know, going into 24, your rotation would be Cease, Kopech, Crochet, and you can put some money, some oh, big man. money, okay. some big money as a Cease, set of guy behind Crochet, C. Quintana. Oh, I can see that. Quintana, but like, like those three, if you got those three in your rotation, and then you can focus on putting your bigger money into whoever the free agent pitcher. Big money, are. who? No, 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 no. You're gonna get, you're gonna get Quintana. 
uh, an Odorsey that he signed already. You're going to get like Quintana, the veteran. But remember, Junior, remember what I said, you know, they have $130 million, and that is if you don't pick up Lance Lynn. Because if you, if you, if you, so they can, they have $130 if you don't million pick to spend. If you don't, yeah, well, they have 130 on the books. So if you remove, if you don't take the option for Lynn, that there goes 18 million. So you're down to like 115 ish, 110 ish around there. That's still pretty high. I don't think, I don't think, so, I don't think Bossy Jerry is going to have to want to go up too much on that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting what they do with, at the time with, you know, Marcus those two Stroman to the White Sox in a Get second contract. Right. You know, I'm just saying, by the way, we got literally, we got to put it in the parking lot. We need to literally look at this seriously and make a list no. of potential yeah. pitchers. I'm being serious. Got, by the way, no, the we, White will. Sox we, need, we have they plenty need to, of time. We well, I know, but I'm time. saying they need to start considering here, here. This is the thing. What if they do with this? What, I don't know what you call mm -hmm. it, the restructure. If they're really yeah. going to do the restructure and they trade pieces, starting potential starting pitching for the future is probably their main focus and a catcher. But now you have to realize I, I have to look at the the contract of Clevenger because I'm not sure if he has an option. Two, two, for it's a two-year deal. Is it? It's, it's, there's he no gets player an option, but it's option? Only, only if they get to play Gold Digger before the games. I think that's the only. Let me look. Let me look you know what's funny? That I, I, I didn't realize how, how big of the story that was going to uh, actually be. Yeah, you have a twelve million dollar mutual option for him. So, by the way, he's been a great books. pickup. I think Rick Hahn's best move have actually been ones that he has not tried. The Cueto and the mm -hmm. Clevenger move have actually, if they pan out the way that they're going, they're probably two of his top moves as a general manager. And it's so crazy next because year, six seventy to score don't even care about Clevenger's. Well, I'm not. I'm, I wouldn't go. Okay, hold on. I wouldn't go all six seventy to score. I would say one show doesn't care about his performances. Ah. Okay. One one show is one hundred percent against him. And if you guys saw my the tweet from the Guillen page that I made, where I gave Lawrence Holmes props, yeah, because Lawrence Holmes is in there asking those questions. No one on that show is in the clubhouse asking him those questions about the gold digger. Like if I have a problem with you and your song, I'm gonna go to the stadium that day because they're credentialed, and I'm gonna say, Clevenger, I have an issue with you, blah 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 blah, and I would ask the question myself. I wouldn't let another beat, beat writer do it like if, if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go and make a story of it and, and make it like a focus on my show i would go in and, and ask him that question myself i wouldn't make one of the beat writers that are not that beat writers write about baseball man but i wouldn't make one of the beat writers talk about it i'd go and ask the question myself if that's like my if i'm building a story around that i wouldn't just grab somebody else's like if i have that big of a problem with it i would go there and like even with ozzy like because Ozzy had to deal with it ozzy would say something stupid and then, like guys at the time with like Mariotti and other shows, they would they would talk about it, but they were not there to ask Ozzy the question how they felt about it. They would just send like a second, like another minion that would get yelled at. They wouldn't go do it themselves. Like guys respect more if you ask the question and yourself and say, "Hey, I don't like you. You don't like me, but I'm going to ask you the questions." I think players respect that more, and I think that gives you more credibility than you just going out there and and and. And, and have an opinion about it and make it a huge story because they have they they literally every time he does that it revolves about that and I think that the way that he is pitching Clevenger's mechanics are they just look horrendous because if you you have to the naked eye but to if you do a comparison of like what he was like when he was healthy and I know that he's battled injuries he's looked really good like it, it looks a lot similar to what the Clevenger that was in Cleveland and the guy that was in San Diego so I think that if he does if he keeps progressing on how he's doing he, he could have a solid year. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know Gonzo's the pitching guru, so I, I want to take Gonzo's take on, on, on Clevenger and what he's seen so far. I think he's looked amazing. <laughs> and not physically. Wait, time I out, think time your out, time best. Out. Does, does Clevenger pitch tomorrow? Yeah. So here, Gonzo, how about this? Instead of talking about his daily bullshit, let's get into White Sox Daily and dive in to Big Mike. <laughs> Okay, Gonzo. So we've watched Lucas and Lance Lynn split a, double, a twin bill tonight. We got Big Mike on the bump tomorrow to go salvage a series. What you that sounds sexual, by the way. Yeah. You can know you what? say Big Mike? Can you say Big Mike? Is that okay? Big Mike. Is that okay, though? I'm just saying, is that okay? Or are we going to get shut down for saying the word Big Mike about Mike Clevenger? Big Mike. Large Mike. Oh, so this he's, is... got the ball to, he's got the ball tomorrow, Gonzo. What you looking forward to? Yeah, when I, I think last week I was talking about Clevenger, and we're really hoping for him being healthy because the last time he was healthy in 2019, he was he was pretty solid. And if he continues this, let's just say is a better year than Giolito, you got an absolute steal going into next year with him at 12 million, a guy that you can count on middle to back end your rotation. So now that we have the game three of the series tomorrow with Clevenger in the mound. He's going to go up against um, – I got to look here to see. I know it's Walker, but I haven't seen the kid pitch before. Um, gosh, what's his name? Not Tijuana He's, Walker? How do you mean you don't know Tijuana Walker? It's oh, Tijuana Walker? One one. Tijuana Walker's oh, Ty? pitching tomorrow. The great Mexican oh, pitcher. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tijuana, Tijuana Walker. Tijuana Walker. The White Sox are in trouble mañana. You don't know about Tijuana Walker? Oh, the White Sox are – His days back in uh, Arizona. Um, yeah, he's one one four point two ERA. Not that his whip is high, but that's okay. I think the Sox are gonna take this game tomorrow. Um, yeah. I think they're gonna finally win a series, Junior. Yeah, I, I would, sure would hope, hope so. it, You would hope I that sure it would happen. So. <laughs> um, you, yeah, it's like yeah. at one point, it's like at one point, will you win it? Like if they go the whole month of April without winning a series. We're Houston. Mm-hmm. We got a problem, and it's not really Houston. So I, I didn't think realize that, that was T1. I got yeah, your yeah, problem TJ, right here. TJ's TJ, TJ. So um, I, I like the fact that tomorrow is when you're looking at uh, like who's going for the White Sox other than Dylan Cease. Um, again, you can't. Today's Jolito's performance today was really good. So you mm-hmm. you know you can't you know in hindsight. Who would you want to be out there? But you're one of your best pitchers after Cease, meaning the most consistent this year, is taking the mound. Um, Matt Clevenger, uh, the over, okay? The strikeouts is at 4.5 at minus 160. I'm going so over. So that's what I'm saying, though. So I think that BetMGM, who I'm looking at, their, uh, please send us a sponsorship and we'll keep using you, BetMGM. But BetMGM, uh, that's a very uh, low number at a – you know, yeah, you're paying juice at minus 160. Their under is only 4.5. So they obviously think that he is going to go over uh, on, on the strikeouts. Um, and then when you look at pitch, uh, pitcher hits allowed, it's under, you know, again, 4.5 is is on there. And then the earned runs for Clevenger 
you know, you got the under at 2.5 at only minus 110, which is, you know, the odds are are great. And then the, the outs, they got them at 16.5, which is like plus five innings. So the books, the books are the books, which I look at. Yes, I look at the books because they have great algorithms. Um, it says everything says. I look at the books. Yeah, it says White Sox. Like it, again, the books tell me White Sox. You're you're pitch you're pitching one of the most consistent guys in the White Sox. I think Clevenger, for as everyone hates him, I always believe that there's guys that get fueled up. Okay, I, I'll give you guys. My, don't don't compare the players. Okay, because one's a Hall of Famer, one's not. I saw Chipper Jones was going probably through a really bad divorce. Okay. He was going through a really bad divorce. It was very public. And he would literally show up at the stadium like 15 minutes before because he was just in court. And he only addressed the media one time. And that was like when he had his MVP season because he focused all of his rage and stuff into the, the fact that he was going through all this stuff outside his life. But baseball was like the one thing that he can control. I think that for Clevenger, there's so much negative stuff outside of his life where you know, people might not like him. People might like him. That I think that the place that he feels the most comfortable in is in a uniform and on the mound. And I think that we've seen that in the last two starts. And knowing Clevenger, the fact that he picked that as a song to come out, he's basically telling the fans a big F you. And the only way that he can be can keep backing that up and making other shows talk about him when they said they were going to ban him and 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 people giving him act, like praises and whatnot is him pitching well. Because had he had a bad start and he was 0-2 with a 20 ERA, if he would have been done. Like, everyone would be so happy. So I think that's giving him extra fuel mm-hmm. already, like, prove himself even more. So I think he's got a lot riding on every start that he is literally locked in mentally. So I think that when you're locked in mentally, it gives you the best chance as a pitcher. And I really think the White Sox offense, again, all due respect to Mr. Tijuana Walker, White Sox offense might put a little uh, might put up a six on him. No, mamas. I just they keep calling him Tijuana Walker. I'm just saying that I think I think he's a good pitcher, but I think the White Sox offense is is actually swinging the bat well. So I think that all the odds are that the White Sox should win. And if they lose, it's not going to be because of Clevenger. Let's finish this weekly bet on this game on this matchup um, because they actually favor the Phillies here in this game, and the over unders at eight and a half. Rightfully so, I feel like. I what do you think? What do you think, Ozzy? I think they're gonna socks, socks in the over. <laughs> I would take the socks in the over. Yeah, but again, this is one of those bets where you curse your family out, curse the baseball gods because if they don't win again, you're going against the. All the odds are saying that you should win this series. You're at home. You just came from a a, a one hitter basically. Your offense looked great. Berger's you, crushing you, the ball. You have the best player in MLB history in Jake Berger. You know, Jake Berger's he is playing like he was one of the best players in MLB history. Like you're you're riding a hot hand. So the fact that you if you lose this game, Come this on, is a game man, I might man. stay away from betting because I might just get really pissed if I lose because this this game is a white it should be a White Sox guarantee in the over. They should put a six spot easily. A guaranteed win at guaranteed rate. Yeah, in in the over, I really do. I think that the offense should go out and explode, and and the, and and the Phillies might score, but I, I don't think that they're gonna out hit them. So I think that the over and the White Sox, I really do on this one game, and they win their first series. If they don't, if they don't, I would be if I would be saying that I don't think that they will win tomorrow, I'd be going against all of my educated guessing. And if they don't, 
man. Woo. Yeah. That's, well, that's no bueno. And that will lead us to the rest of the week. The Sox go on the road Friday through Sunday. They go to Tampa Bay, who just got beat two out of three versus Toronto. So they're kind of close. And they a just lost bit. their best starter, the second best starter. Yeah. Ever and that's what, yeah. I was getting into oh, that. Oh, Walker, Tommy. <laughs> Jeffrey Spriggs is uh, not going to be facing us. However, um, Friday, um, we brought up Kopech. Kopech's going to be starting off the series. We don't know who he's going to go up against yet, um, but it's looking like Saturday it's going to be Sleese and McClanahan. Ooh. That's going to be one hell of a show. Um, hopefully we can get um, see some help First, the lefty, because that's a dangerous lefty. But uh, I think that's going to be one hell of a showdown. Um, and then Sunday, they don't have a projected starter for Tampa, but it's going to be Lance, oh, Lin- Lance Lynn. Versus, <laughs> versus El Bullpeno. They might El go Bullpeno. Tampa style. Might have no, a they might, come they might bring up uh, probably uh, Scott Kazmir or Casey Fossum. Back for back for the day. You know what? I, I, I'm not a big fan of Tampa. Because everybody's mm-hmm. obsessed with them, how the, how they do other stuff analytical. If I want a team that the White Sox to pounce on, it is Tampa. Me too. Uh, because with this little run that they went on, everybody's like, our team, our team should only spend fifty million and beat Tampa. It's like, no, you can't beat Tampa. Don't try to beat Tampa. Like that doesn't work. They have zero rings. Don't beat Tampa. Right. They have an ugly stadium. They don't want to spend. They just take money from other baseball teams and invest in cheat like. Tampa is Oakland with better players. It's like, it's not a good fit, but that's why I like beating up on Tampa. So I, I really hope that the White Sox, and again, I don't see Tampa winning a hundred games. So they're going to have to lose to somebody. Why not be the White Sox? And again, I had the White Sox at 500 and I want to, I want to be sure that I am, my predictions are always right. And right now I think that they're playing under their performance. So I need some them to get it back to 500. They're not going to win the division, but I need them to get back to 500. Okay. I'm just saying, yeah, I, that's where I had them. So they're gonna, they're gonna on, be competing. On, they're on, gonna be on, competing for it, but they need to be at five hundred to win eighty three. What do we have them at? Eighty two plus wins. Y'all got them. At, it fluctuates from eighty two to the max out at eighty six. I got them at eighty eight, but I'm a homer, so my opinion doesn't count. I had them. I had them at eighty nine. So. Oh my. Yeah. Oh yeah, Gonzo's a homer too. <laughs> so Gonzo, Gonzo might have to go to a meeting. Eighty nine again. If unless it gets so hot. Last year, this is this is the number that I look at. Have him yeah. to your meeting, Gonzo. La- last year, I'll I'll be a sponsor. Last year, eighty-one <laughs> games, okay, with a half of the roster basically just checked out, like hurt yeah. mentally. Like they won eighty-one games. Like the fact that they won eighty-one games, they brought in Miguel Cairo. You know, they were. It was like you know, Southpaw was out there. They won eighty-one games. Okay, so if this team does not win 81 games, there's some people that should say, you know what, I resigned from my job. I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own it. I need to basically not have this job because 81 games last year. If you can't meet that, at least by three games, at least we got a problem. Let me let me ask you guys this. So, us as a collective, we expect the White Sox to make that climb back towards 500. Starting with whooping Tampa Bay's ass, the best offense in the league, while we have the most inconsistent starting pitching in MLB history right now. That's where yeah. we're at as White Sox fans. It is, but I, I'm just saying it because I don't like Tampa. So I will bet the White Sox every single day because, again, we're going to get great. I just don't like Tampa. I don't like anything about them. Do you, do you hate Tampa the way I hate the tribe? 
Probably, and, but they're not even in our division. I understand why you hate the tribe. They're in your division. I just don't like Tampa. I just think that they're like a mythical unicorn that there's an anomaly that people think that it works and every fan base wants. There's there's fans out there that are White Sox fans that want the White Sox to go the Tampa route. Wow. But they think that that's the solution. And I don't think that. So I, I, that's where I disagree on that. So I, 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 a whooping on Tampa would be nice. Uh, do you think uh, Andrew Vaughn hits his first home run tomorrow? Andrew Vaughn will not hit his first home run till May. Damn. We still got like what, ten games left? I don't think Andrew goes deep till May. That's sick. And then and then in May again he could still have a good. By the way he could still have a good ten days. Doesn't have to. He can hit doubles. I think he's gonna have a forty double season. But come on, G. He gonna hit. He gonna give me one before the, the month. Who's over. gonna go deep first, Vani or Abreu? Vani. They're both, they're both at zero. We got that first base watch, right? We were all worried about that. Burger's got like five. And everybody took every bet. Everybody took everyone <laughs> except Burger. And Jig's going to win this. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out who had Burger as the pick to click, Gonzo. We ain't getting to that yet. Thank God. No, no, but I'm saying so. I'm saying like, again, <laughs> I, I think, I don't think, I think that Bonds might, 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 he might, he might have a, like a home run drought in April, but he, he's going to pick it up later. But I don't think he To be honest, though, like. Abreu always had a cold start in the in the spring until well, he well, got what, to... was the, what was the excuse that he played outdoors? Houston's cold, <laughs> by the way. It's a dome yeah. stadium. <laughs> it's a dome stadium. He's got he's got about twenty plus more at bats, and he's got five less but, ribbies. By so. the way, he's not going to hit thirty. Abreu wasn't yeah. going to hit thirty. He's going to hit it up the middle. He's on that Miguel Cabrera uh, approach now. But uh, I actually believe Sox will lose two of three on the road here and not going to be anywhere near my projection of 89 likely, but, uh, Man, what yeah. is this Gonzo? How did I, I, I'm how sorry, did but like, Gonzo's also a smart head. dude. He doesn't want to go out there and sound like a, like a lunatic. He's doing the math. Yeah. I just, I know how our struggle struggles are on the road, yeah, especially, especially in Tampa Bay. Like, for whatever reason, we haven't been good in Tampa Bay, even when his dad was a man. The Vinoy, the Vinoy pool. Yeah, the I don't know what the curse is. I'm not going to I had a great time in Tampa, actually, straight. every time that I went there. Yeah, you probably had a lot of you know, hangovers. and Oh, a lot um, of hangovers. I, I wasn't playing, yeah. though. I wasn't playing. Right. I, I just, just You were I, just translating. I was just translating, Um, but it wasn't not a lot of very good. Well. I wasn't a very good. It wasn't a lot of very good games when we, I was translating in, in, in Tampa. <laughs> um, I, There's two places I don't think the Sox play well. I have three places. In, in those in those years and i think now oakland never a good road trip yeah. tampa horrible and then kansas, i can't i don't know why they play horrible in that dump of a stadium in kansas city you think kaufman's a dump i think everything in kansas city is is not good wow. but just even, wrap it up even the quarterback oh, so we're not playing we're not Relax. playing that's not good nfl <laughs> We're not even going there yet. We're not even going to go. That's the NFL. Oh. I'm talking about the city. And I'm talking about the team. By the way, they suck, and they have two World Series rings, one more than the White Sox. Yeah. That hurts. I don't want to even talk about the Chiefs right now. Um, so, Kopech on Friday, I think he will be solid. Not solid. I think he'll probably be good. He'll have a good start. But I think the bullpen's going to give it up in that first game. Um, I feel Cease versus McClanahan. I have a feeling that Sox are going to bang up on McClanahan, and Cease is going to have a really solid outing and get He's the W. He's due for an ass whooping. I just traded him for my uh, fantasy league. 
And then I think they're going to beat up on Lynn on Sunday. So I think it'll be Rays two out of three. Randy Rosarina is batting 313, four home runs, 18 ribbies. What about uh, what Amazing. about Josh Lowe, too? Josh Lowe's having a good yes. start to this season, too. Josh Lowe as well. So they got some – I'm not really scared of anybody on that lineup. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, Wanda Franco too, Gonzo is a guy that kind of fucking scares me. Uh, OJ, you got anybody in that, in that Tampa Bay uni that gives you the willies? No, nobody, man. Randy or Rosarina, how can they not get that guy out? You're sick. The man, I am sick. He'd be finding ways to get on base. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, I, I don't. If I was a general manager, I have a hard time when Tampa kicks my butt. I really do. I just don't. I, it, I don't know what they do. I'll put it this much. My only concern is Copic better have his tipping situation under control because I bet Tampa has video on Copac going to the bathroom. They've probably viewed every single video on him pitching since he was in high school and have had 7,000 meetings about it. So he better have his tipping situation under control because they jump on things like that. So that's going to be key. I, I, I think that the, I, I, I don't know why Pedro has not used the running game. We were, they were running all over the place in spring training. They season starts, he runs game one, runs game two. And the, then it's like, the team fell apart though. But, but you, you keep running, keep going. Who cares? Have them thrown out. Like, don't, I, I think those socks are a better team when they get going. Hit and run. Put the runners in motion. Get something going. Like, put the pressure on them. Like, we're waiting for the big boppers to come through. There, there is no big boppers. Like, we need to put the put like like put hit and runs. And again, you can do a lot of guys. Like, even for Burger, like get guys on, get them moving. They they did that with Houston so well, which was a team that pretty much has the best catcher in the league when it comes to defensive catching and throwing. Now we can't do it with the players that we currently have, I don't get that. So that, I, I think that he needs to play that game with Tampa. Of like, just not sit and wait. I think he needs to be aggressive. Yeah. And then on Monday, the Sox are still on the road and they start off in Toronto. It's going to be Geo versus Bassett. Bassett's been on a rough string lately. Um, so maybe uh, we have a shot there to start on the right foot in Toronto. Um, what do you guys feel in that series with the uh, Geo starting it off versus Bassett? Ah, what's the over on that baby? Oh yeah, you. I, I, I mean, it, to be honest with you, I like our odds again with Toronto. Yep, I'm more worried about the Toronto series. I think now I haven't seen the odds yet posted for with, it. I'm saying I'm more I'm more worried about the Toronto series than I am Tampa. Really. Yes. Yeah. I well, I mean, it. it's it's because you got to think about it too. Gonzo. They're in Canada. Like, mm-hmm. Bobachet and Vlad are good enough hitters to where they can beat you without a home run. Like, if they need a sacrifice fly, they're going to give it to you. And they want to beat Charlie. Mm-hmm. They want to shove it right up his ass. They're one of the main reasons he's not there. By the way, did you guys know that the Toronto Blue Jays are, is the fattest team in baseball? Well, with Manoa and per player, per no, not just because of certain guys, per player's weight in the average, they are the biggest, they're the heavy set, is the biggest team in MLB. Yeah, I just have a feeling Bassett's gonna shove in this game. 
We went from White Sox daily to fat shame. The American. I'm just saying, by the way, we're dropping stats. I dropped a stat. It's a fact. I'm not fat shaming anybody. That's just how it is. They That's eat fun. more than other teams. What's the, what's the Blue Jays cholesterol looking like? I don't know. They didn't. The, the stat that I looked at did not tell me about cholesterol, but I am not fat shaming anybody. I am literally sharing a stat that was shared from all those random stats that they have wow. about their, their weight. How did we get here? I'm just saying I, I'm more I'm more worried about that Philadelphia. I'm more worried about that Toronto series than I am about Tampa. But again, yeah. don't listen to me. I don't like Tampa. Again, I don't give them the credit that they're due. They're the hottest, they're the best hitting team. I'm just like, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it either. And Chapman's the guy I'd watch out for for them betting four ten, four home runs, sixteen ribbies. Matt Chapman's off to a hot start um, mm-hmm. to, to go with Vlad. So And he's a notoriously slow starter too, Gonzo. Matt yeah, Chapman. he is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for him to start the season with his hair on fire, that's somebody you got to be careful with. Power to all fields, good athlete, could take yeah. an extra bag. Like he's a he's a low key five to a player that people don't talk about. I like Matt Chapman's game. Yeah. So to wrap it up, we have the Sox winning the series tomorrow, and then losing the series in Tampa, and uh, starting off rough on the road uh, to wrap this up. Not the only week one, that we were on, hoping so we for. What's what's up? So we only get one game in Toronto that we're counting, right, for this week? Yeah. Just the Monday. Just, Just the, Monday. the Monday. Yeah, because let me look at Tuesday. Um, Actually, hold up. Tuesday is a f- – it's a night start. So, yeah, it'll just be the Monday that will count. So we're doing five, six, so seven games, and we're looking at the record to be four, three and four. So right yeah. about 500, like right under 500. Yeah. And that would put them, they're currently 7 and 11, doing math like a little kid. And that would give them a record of 10 and 15? No, 9. No, 10. 10 and 15. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. No. <laughs> I feel like that's five, that's, like... Got, that's five games out of 500. And by the way, that is that is Gonzo giving you the victory in Tampa. That's us having them win two out of three in Tampa. Yeah, I don't like that. How about we just say the White Sox are going to go uh, six and one? Yeah, I don't think that's very educational. Fuck! Just hope that Cleveland keeps playing as horrible as they have and that Minnesota basically... I don't got to hope for that. No. That's a given. They're trash. Uh, oh, okay. They're I, actually I, worse than the Red Sox right now. Can you imagine, uh, Gonzo? Like I could respect dropping a doubleheader to the Phillies. I wouldn't. I couldn't imagine dropping a, a twin bill to the Tigers. Can't. That one hurt. No. Can't. And Jay, that leads us to our picks to click. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> folks this is our weekly pick to click segment um last week we had a guy on the dl who shot out the name jake berger and we all laughed at him but uh dad power took the week 
He went four for he went four for twelve before today. Before today's doubleheader, he was four for twelve, three home runs, five ribbies. Jake Berger was the pick to click. He got the dub, and uh, Slav is on the board. So the standings standings right now is uh, Junior's got one victory. I've got a victory, and Slav has a victory. So that's three people in the win column, and Justin is still fishing for his first victory of the season. Um, we'll see if he can do that this week, but we're all tied up at one. And uh, the picks to click segment begins this week. And our man Slav, who is not with us again, but he will be soon, Slav is going with the guy with a herniated disc and Yasmani uh, Grandal. He didn't pick Sebi. I was kind of hoping for Sebi, but uh, he's going. You, you got to play. You got to play to get big. He's going with Yasmani Grandal as his pick to click to uh, for this week. Um, who, I mean, he, he didn't have the greatest week this past week. So let's see if uh, Yaz turns it up here tomorrow and the rest of the week so Slav can take a lead. Um, that's an interesting pick. But Junior, you're up next. Um, it'll go Junior, Jay, then me. You know what? I think that it's going to be a, a week where a power might not win it for you. Um in this past two games that he has played, actually, he's gotten, he's been on fire pretty much. Uh, I'm going to go with Andrew Benatendi. Two hits, two hits, one hit, one hit, one hit in the past week. I think that he can carry that over, um, get himself some walks. His daddy, Pedro, needs to put him to move and steal some bases. Um, I'm scared because of the power situation with him. Um, it's not one that he's going to hit a lot of home runs, but I think that he might go deep in this series. I'm going to go with Andrew Benetendi. Greatest, highest, greatest White Sox player to ever get paid. Which, hold up, Justin, before you go, I want to say that earlier in the show, I think it was Spencer, actually. Yeah, I got it right here. He said this team likes power and they signed Benny. Now, let's just set the facts here because I see a lot of things on Twitter with people are expecting a lot out of Benny mostly because of slugging because they want power like but there's more to slug than power mm-hmm. we didn't sign him for power we signed him for extra base hits in his defense and the contract you got him for was pretty hefty of a contract for 15 million that's not a lot so the fact that if he gives you that the extra base hits in the defense I'll take that every day because he's your best outfielder defensively at the moment, and that's a guy on top of the order that's doing the job. I think he's batting, what, 270-ish right now, and he's getting on base. So you you need to get power elsewhere in your lineup. It's not going to be from him, I'll tell you that right now. But we're seeing that with Berger. So we need to see more of the power from Eloy and my boy Vaughn and Yaz and Robert, who Robert is tied with Berger right now, but we need to see more of that. And – uh I'm just not expecting it from our boy Ben Attendee. But uh, I don't need it. I just need him to get on base get, so we can drive in those runs and steal bases. That's all I need from Ben Attendee. So yeah. um, go ahead, Justin. Uh, well, I too am going the Andrew route, but I'm picking a better Andrew. I'm going with Opie. Now, OJ 
you fucked up big time because you put the tried to put the kibosh on my boy Vonnie and said he's not going deep until May. Let me tell you something. You know who's you know who's gonna fuck the Tampa Bay Rays over? Opie. He's gonna do a job inside out swings, moving guys over, getting them in, not sacrificing. You know, uh, well, he will sacrifice his personal agenda for the the betterment of the team. That's how you beat a team like Tampa. You got to play baseball, and Opie is a baseball player, and I think he gets me and the White Sox off the schneid this weekend. We going Opie. And that leaves me with the last pick, and I am going to go with – Hi, Mom. I'm going to go with Eloy. What's up? Is he back by that time? He's already back. Oh, he doesn't do anything. I, he just I, hasn't I don't know anything. So I'm yeah, he's just he, he's 0 for 7 with 12 straight. I just hope, I just hope he heats up. <laughs> <laughs> he better hope he sends a message to his mom. <laughs> right now, he's, he's momless. He's an orphan. He's an orphan right now. He's an orphan. I was I was going with either Robert or or Eloy, but both of them are kind of in a slump right now. So I'm hoping that Eloy gets heated up on the road because we need that bat to get going. Um, and that wraps. I just can't wait Go till Robert goes back to Rose Robert. <laughs> if he keeps struggling, he's gonna say, "You know what? I just want to be called Louis Robert again, Louis Roberto." <laughs> So wow. to wrap it up, chat, Slav is going Grandal. Junior is going to go with Benny. And Jay is going Vaughn. And I am going Eloy. Um, is there any other reps or things you guys want to point out for these matchups this week that we might have missed at all? Um, no, the only thing that I look at is that with this rate that they're going at um, in the month of April, if they go – Five or five and six or six and five that still puts some three games under 500. So unless they really go on a streak here, um, it, it's it's it could be an ugly April. Let's see, April can look for them at 18, 11 and 18 if they don't start winning some series, and that's seven games under 500. So I'm going to be honest with you, the way that we broke it today, we're looking at the series tomorrow's game becomes that bigger of a deal because if they don't win the series tomorrow, okay, with Clevy on the mound, um. They, the, the, the Tampa series is analytically probably going to go to Tampa, meaning when you're looking at the teams, then the Toronto series should go to Toronto again on paper, and then they play Tampa again. So unless you split, but if Tampa takes that, it takes you all the way to April, that means that you pro- potentially could go one, three more series without winning one. So that would basically would not let you win one in the month of April which has to be a club record. So tomorrow's game, it, it becomes that much bigger to set yeah. the tone. Because it doesn't get much easier at the end of the month. It doesn't get much easier. And again, you got your you got Clevenger, two great starts. I, I don't want to bet it, but now, guys, I, I think I might ride hard. I, just check the tweet. I might ride the White Sox hard tomorrow, which I don't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Pause. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm just scared. I'm scared if I bet them that they're just going to just lose because I bet them. Um, but tomorrow's game becomes that big. I, I know that you can't win a division in April, but you could definitely lose one or ma- not, not lose it, but make it really hard on yourself 
being seven games is a lot of ground to cover and you have to get really, really hot. And I know it gets easier in other months, but this ser- this game becomes a lot bigger just so they can get that first series under their belt and get that monkey off their shoulder and kind of build from there. Baby steps. Yeah, and, I, and I would definitely mirror that statement because I would say, say what you want about the next two weeks on the road and that series coming home versus Tampa and, and Toronto. But when you go into May, you got to see if you can make up that ground because if you continue to go down that stretch, lose games in May, you're very well starting to retool and you're trading all your, you know, majority of your assets that you don't see here in the future. And you're going to be retooling for 24. Um, and the guys, the names that you'll probably be trading could be TA, could be Eloy. Don't say And I know we're going to be per- some people will be saying cease. I can, I get it for value wise, but that you would have to gut me to death right now for me to want to give up cease at all. Cause I still want him even for retooling because you need a top arm. If you really want to go where you, where the expectations are, um, but we'll get there right now. We're not there right now. We got to see you're not going to decide what this team is and what six, what, what are we seven, 11, 18 games into the season? Mm-hmm. We need to see where we're at in 60 games, see where this team is at, um, see what, if Grafal has really changed the culture by the, you know, by that time with the, with the sample that we have a quarter of the season in, um, we'll see where we're at right now. It's tough to really decide on a lot of things. You, you see this offense hot and cold and you have a lot of injuries on, in the bullpen right now with holding leads. It's hard to hold a lead when you got guys, when you're important pitching, uh, your better arms are off right now with Crochet and Liam. Um, and you got Grafal managing that staff with guys that he's unaware of. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where this team goes in the next couple of weeks here. But a lot, we'll see a lot here in the young rookie manager and what he has in this team. Um, but with that, that is our episode seven. And this is Justin Lee, Isaac Ian Jr., me, myself. Everybody, let's go White Sox and go Dad Power. Mm-hmm. That is all. Bye, folks. Bye.